Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. On DAB, online, via the TalkSport app. And on your smart speaker, this is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth Davis. And I'm delighted to say I'm alongside the Romford Bull today, Johnny Fisher. Today, we'll be unpacking Saturday night's action in Poland as Alexander Usyk saw off Daniel Dubois to retain his world titles and remain on course for a mega fight with Tyson Fury. Controversial, of course, but we'll get into the controversy surrounding Dubois' low blow midway through the fight, and I'll get Johnny's take as a professional fighter about if the blow was legal or not in his view. Live boxing continues on TalkSport this weekend. We're in Manchester for the huge rematch between Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr. We'll hear from Smith, who's been speaking to the network earlier this week. Plus, we'll talk, yep, it's another one, a failed drugs test for Robert Hellenius. The Finnish fighter returned a positive test in the wake of his defeat to Anthony Joshua. We believe it's clomiphene. Lots to get through. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. In the white, setting up in that left-hander stance, the southpaw stance. Dubois just eats a jab there as he tries to shuffle his feet into range. Dubois lands a good left hook as well, having a good little spell here in the foreground. He's growing in confidence. He's doing really well, but he's starting to blow a little bit. He's starting to fatigue. Good right hand, but that was low. And you can see that it has hurt Usyk because he is now onto his backside, leaning on his back against the bottom rope. That right hand went in low. That weren't that low. That was a body shot. I'm telling you, I looked at that. That was on the waistline. Them shorts were high. I'm not sure that was low. We got conned out of that. VAR, if you can have it in football, bring it in boxing. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Usyk just keeping the distance here. He's starting to pick the shots. Libra goes out from Usyk and down goes Dubois. And the referee is counting again. And the fight is over. We will appeal this and go back. You know, it's totally outrageous. You're going to appeal this, you're saying, yeah? Of course, it's a liberty what they've done with it. Are you upset that that was called a low blow in the fifth round? Because on the monitor, it didn't look so. Yeah, definitely. That wasn't a low blow, that was a body shot. Well, Johnny, a very warm welcome to Fight Night Extra. I think it's your debut today, isn't it? 
Yeah, my debut today. Thank you for asking me on, Gareth. We tried to get on a week or two ago, didn't we? But we're finally here. Thank you very much. I think you were doing taxi duties that day. Yes, I was. Uh, we couldn't get you in time. I'm picking Hetty up. But yeah, you good. were indeed picking your sister Hetty up. Um, yeah. um, look, it's uh, it's a big week for you to make your debut. So many talking points. Yeah. So yeah. much going on with the heavyweights um, at the moment. You're in Spain, I take it. Your hand, uh, if we can see it, you've got some metacarpal damage, wrist damage. What is it? Well, it's just a little bit of, uh, there's a tendon that runs along your metacarpal over your knuckle. And there's two bands that support it, the sagittal bands. And um, for most boxers, it's an occupational hazard to irritate them. This is just a bit of precaution. My tendon just sits over my knuckle in a, in a weird way because of the repetitive impact it has. So it's just to make sure that down the line I don't need any surgery or can prolong that as long as I can. There's no pain there um, at the minute. So it's just, it's just a matter of uh, being precautionary with your hands. I'm glad you said there's no pain there because it looks really painful, oh. that, that strapping. It was, it was when I, I, I left, when I caught it, I was actually warming up on the pads in the changing room and I thought, right, I've done something similar to what I've done before. But obviously last time my metacarpal was breaking as well and it was like splintering. So it's an overuse thing and it's just about managing it every fight. And listen, it's something that can be managed quite easily if you're sensible. So little things like this, I've got a bit of time off now, just completely immobilise the, uh, the two fingers that it impacts and I'll be right as rain. Amazing that you did it on the pads, I take it, before facing Harry Armstrong. Uh, Harry Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. And listen, before when I'd done it, I obviously had the fracture in my hand as well, so it was quite hard to overcome the pain there, but this one I had no pain, so it, it was absolutely fine. You know the adrenaline takes over, but when you've got a break, it's a little bit more difficult for that adrenaline to take over, so I was, I was quite lucky in a way. And you're in Spain today. You join us from Spain. You're out there with Big John, who's... Yep. Is he on holiday with with mum, Charlotte, or doing duties out there? Well, I, he's on holiday and he had a duty last night. He had an appearance, but I, I paid for him to come over here tonight uh, this, for this week. A little thank you for all the help they do. So, Hetty's over here as well. And there's a couple of people that I know out here. So, we're, we're, we're enjoying a few days off in the sunshine. Well, it's non-stop for you, it seems. Yeah. Um, you know, you're living the life. You're living the dream, as you always tell me. And, yeah. and I know that part of living the dream is being on with us on oh, Talk exactly. Sport as well. This is what a, a boxing fan dreams of these sort of moments. So I can't, I can't knock it. I'm very grateful. Fan and fighter, you are indeed right. Um, <clears throat> I was out there working with Talk Sport the weekend in Poland. In, um, in let me get the name of the place right. It Rotswaf, even though it's written Rock Law. Rotswaf got it after three days. It was an amazing week, by the way. Yep. Um, fantastic arena, amazing crowd. The Ukrainians, two hundred and fifty thousand of them live in Rockswaf. Um, uh, it was probably about 40,000 people in the stadium, big cavernous place, similar to Wembley, a little bit smaller, yeah. but um, it was a strange night. The rain started to team down about half an hour before they walked. Alexander Usyk commanded the fight, but Dubois was always in it, and I believe his stock rose. But we came to that fifth round. Dubois clearly targeted the body. And it's clearly had an effect throughout the fight. He'd been warned a couple of times or just warded off, if you like, by referee Luis Babon de Puerto Rico um, as, he, as he moved in to attack the body. He was very effective with it. But in that fifth round, there was a blow to the midriff 31 seconds into the round from uh, Dubois to Usyk. And he went down, you know, like he'd been shot. Um, Luis Pabon 
said, stay down, it's fine. He ruled it accidental. He didn't take any points away. Usyk had about four minutes. He got up. Dubois still went at him in the round. And Usyk got through the round. It was clearly Dubois' best round. The talking point afterwards, of course, with Dubois down in the eighth and stopped in the ninth, was was that time taken away from Dubois by a mistake from the referee? Because it's only the referee's mistake. No one else's, is it? Yeah. Did Pabon make a mistake for to, 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 to not call it um, or to call it a low blow rather than not a low blow? Yeah, listen, it's not my... It, it does come down to the referee and it's not nice to criticise referees, but um, for me, when I look at that in real time when I was watching it, my immediate reaction is what a great body shot. And that's why I was... Yeah. I couldn't piece together in my head um, the, uh, the the idea that it could be a low blow because I saw it hit the belt line. But then I see pictures afterwards and it's like looking like it's hitting below the belt and that might be after the impact of the shot. There's so many different ways you can manipulate imagery to, to, to look like it's a certain way, whether it's for or against it being a low blow. But for me... I was watching that fight and I thought that was a that was a legal blow in the midriff. Forget where I know it's like below the navel. People have been saying that you can't have a shot below the navel. That's not an illegal blow. That was not a legal blow. But for me, I look at that and my immediate reaction, my instinctive reaction as a boxer is you can hit there. That's fine. And I looked at the Jared Anderson fight, which was on a few hours later in America, and most of the blows were as low, if not lower. And uh, I was just perplexed by it a little bit. I think I think that was a great shot, in my opinion. I, 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 I can't see why that's a low blow, but I look at the imagery after it, it, it does it does look differently, and I can see why other people are saying that. I did see that as well, the, the shots from Anderson and Kosobutsky. Yeah. Um, they went to both sides and the middle, didn't he? Um, yeah. But I, I think, I, I, is it, do you think it's fair to say that um, Usyk used his champions standing and the fact that he's adored to his advantage he played the referee a little bit and I don't mean that in a in a kind of evil sense but that he played everything to his advantages in there yeah Yeah, it's gamesmanship to the max I would say I was looking at him go down I I saw him shaking like he was physically shaking his hands were going like this I mean I don't want to make silly signs with my hands but his hand was because he was just above me on the the ring apron where we were commentating and he he was doing that he was clearly in a lot of pain and that's what I mean I think if that was deemed a legal blow and Usyk had to get up at 10 I don't know if people saying he would have definitely got up I don't think he would have I don't think he would have got up I think he was in so much pain Um, he didn't look like he had the body language of someone who wanted to get up that's just my opinion Probably the championship mentality he's got. He's been to a level of, I can only dream of getting to. He might have found it. If he knew the ref was calling him up, he would have been able to. But even then, literally having 10 seconds to recover from a, a shot like that, Dubois maybe would have jumped on him a little bit more. After the five minutes, Dubois probably thought, right, he probably could have jumped on him a bit more than he did, but he was a bit more cautious. But if he had 10 seconds, I think he would, Dubois could have got him out of there. So do we feel, <clears throat> my feeling is he would have got up. If the referee yeah. said no, one count, one, two up. He'd, yeah. I feel he would have got up. Yeah. There was even a part of me, and I'm not trying to say that he was doing this. I think when he was hurt from it. Now I, d- I don't know. I've, I've I have said that in, in through my head, and I'm not saying this is a fact. Through my head, I wondered if he was wondering if Pabon was going to disqualify Dubois as well while he was down. 
Yeah, I thought I thought something similar when he was on his knees, sort of thing, and still still sort of making not a fuss because obviously he's been hit in the stomach because he can make a fuss. But if he knows he's got the five minutes, the way he was, I thought in my head at one point, yeah, this could be a disqualification if he's given it a low blow. This is what I mean. There's so many different areas you can go into. Is he going to give it up to point because it's a low blow? Then, but I realise it's at the ref's discretion whether he whether he uh, dictates it is a low blow and did, like, did up to point. Is he going to disqualify him? What's, what's the protocol here? Because it's, like it's such a grey area, isn't it? It's on the belt line. I suppose if it was like a proper low blow where it's literally missed all the belt, not hit anything, then he, he, he could probably disqualify him. But where it's at the, at the borderline, he has to give a bit of uh, discretion if he does think it is a low blow. Well, it's promoter Frank Warren, uh, Dubois promoter Frank Warren, insists it wasn't a low blow and that Usyk has a history of doing this sort of thing. Let's have a listen to him. It, was a, it, it wasn't a low blow. You know, look, first of all, it's, it's the, area, the area you punch, you're allowed to punch it in, is determined at the, uh, the rules meeting. It's not determined about how high you wear your shorts. If that was the case, um, Chris Eubanks have already, would, you know, a little would have been on his nipples. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous situation, and I've watched so many different angles of this. Obviously, because we're searching them out, and that that punch was on his waistband of his shorts, and those shorts were high. I mean, you wouldn't go in, into a, 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 a tailor's and buy a pair of trousers that are that high, or being measured up for a suit that high on your waist because it's not your waist. It was well above his, his navel. And, you know, at the end of that, I don't blame Alex what he's saying because they obviously don't want us yeah. uh, for a rematch, but we're going to, obviously. And obviously, Usyk's the same thing. But, but you know, Usyk's, I've got a lot of respect for him. You know, he's a, he was a tremendous cruiserweight. Um, he's been a really good heavyweight. But he does have previous for complaining about low blows. Mm-hmm. Fight. He's, done it, he's done it against AJ in his fight. That was Frank talking to us about that. Johnny, where he says that Usyk, in his amateur career, earlier on um, in the fight, even he was complaining. Even earlier in the fight, he was complaining about the, the low blows. As a fighter, yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of the public listening to this, or watching this, or watching the fight, a low blow isn't a shot in the crown jewels, is it? It's below the navel. Um, now. <clears throat> There's always borderline shots. That's why the waistband mustn't be too high on a fighter. And people do pull it up, don't they? Yeah. Um, they do. To try and get an advantage if they don't like those body shots. Now, as a fighter, when you're hit low, it's not necessarily in the cup that you're hit. What no. What is the feeling of of uh, of in you do? It does make you go down, doesn't it? It does make you want to withdraw. I just never had it. When I put my shorts on, the boxing shorts, like I'm sparring normal shorts, and yeah. it, my protector will sit so far above. It will sit above my stomach. It will sit above my my navel. It will sit above my belly button. And I think it, I know if you hit me on the belt, that's fair game. It's covering all my lower abdomen. Like I feel like if someone hits me there, I don't think it's a low blow. And I've never been hit so low to to think that I've never been hit that low. I've never had a low blow. If I'm being honest, I've never had a low blow. So you no. so no. But I know from my from my belt line, I know in my head, I've all, this is how I've been sort of educated in the boxing world. Anything on the belt is fair game. It's fair game. That's the way I've been I've been sort of schooled. But now we're going into the technicalities of it on such a big stage as a world championship fight, and it looks like it could have been on that belt line. 
uh, or if not a little bit lower, it's hit most of the belt a little bit underneath, then it might be slightly different. But for me, I looked at that shot in real time, and to me, and, and how I've been brought up through boxing, I thought it was a great shot from Daniel Dubois. Fascinating stuff. We're going to get into this more uh, in the next section. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll hear from Liam Smith ahead of his rematch with Chris Eubank Jr., which is live this weekend on TalkSport. We'll also talk about the ramifications of Robert Hellenius's positive test following his defeat to Anthony Joshua. Next up, though, with Dubois out of the way, what is stopping Usyk from the Fury fight happening? And how would a fight between the pair play out. We'll also discuss some further ramifications for the appeal if they do it for Daniel Dubois over the fight on Saturday night. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and the one and only, yeah, the Romford Bull. It's Johnny Fisher with me on today's show. With Saturday night's fight out of the way, will we see Yusuf against Fury next year? And how do we see a fight between them playing out? We'll get into that in a moment. But let's just go back for a moment, Johnny, to Frank Warren's comments from the first section. They want a rematch. They want the fight declared a no contest or annulled because there was a mistake. Is it worth them mounting evidence and making an appeal to the World Boxing Association for whom Dubois was the mandatory challenger? Well, I ask myself the question, how many times in history have boxing decisions been overturned? Have we seen, like, with the, I know it's slightly different, but the Jack Cattrall, Josh Taylor fight, did that get overturned? No, there was different things that happened to the referee, obviously, but um, uh, the judge, Ian John Lewis, on that. So things can be done and developed, but it's very rarely that decisions get overturned. And I don't think with the... Uh, with this sort of climate of everyone wanting to see the Usyk Fury fight and uh, the amount of mandatories that Usyk's got piling up, I don't think much will happen. But yeah, I feel a little bit gutted for Dubois because I, I think it was a legal blow. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a bad situation for him. Do we do we think that um, well, Groves George Groves got a rematch against uh, Carl Frotch, didn't he, for the IBF title when uh, when when he appealed? for the early stoppage, and we got that 80,000 people at Wembley as a result. Um, a lot of animosity in a big event that was, um, God, I want to say nine years ago now, something like that, wasn't it? I'd, uh, I'd be interested in seeing the rematch as a boxing fan, because I like Usyk. Usyk literally, he's, li- listen, Usyk's a uh, magician, he's a boxing magician, but he, I think Dubois gave it a really good go in there. I thought he made Usyk start to look a little bit old. I thought Usyk was winning the rounds comfortably, quite comfortably uh, in terms of yeah, he was he was out boxing, but if Dubois can jump on him a little bit more, he showed the blueprint of how to beat him with that body work, a little bit more body work even he he could have done. So yeah, I think if he if that fight happens another six months to eight months, nine months down the line, um, Dubois Dubois in with a good shot again. So it's a fight I'll definitely watch. Absolutely. Well, you know the the <clears throat> the blueprint has been there for some time about yeah. going to the body. Yeah. Um, with Saturday night's fight out of the way. Will we see Usyk versus Fury next year, do you believe? Well, obviously, Fury's got his uh, fight lined up with Ngannou next, the end of this year. and um, well, He's not going to lose that, is he? Well, I don't think so, but strange. But you never thing, know. 
you never know. You can never in heavyweight boxing. You can never say, but ninety nine point nine percent, yeah, we back Tyson Fury to win that. Um, and now I'm seeing Hergovic is being pushed for the mandatory position against Usyk. So there are obstacles in the way. Obviously, the uh, the idea of a mandatory, but sometimes for these big super fights, they do sort of bypass the uh, the mandatories, don't they? So yeah, that no, would they be the Trump. It trumps. The, yeah, the unification or the, yeah. the, the, um, yeah, the undisputed the Trump's a mandatory, yeah. So, yeah, it would be great, wouldn't it? March, April, so Usyk versus Fury. And in my opinion, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, Fury's the favourite in that for me. I can't see it. I've always, had, I've always had Fury as the favourite in that fight. I, I wouldn't even surprise me if Usyk's ahead after six rounds. Yeah. And it's been close, you know, four rounds to two to Usyk. But I, I, I just see Fury having too much for him. And also now, um, I see Fury... Um, I, I just feel that there's going to be controversy in that fight now because Fury's going to go to the body, isn't he? Oh, he'll whack it. He'll whack to the body like no one else has whacked before. Yeah. The physical and he's got, that, he's got that long reach with those kind of yeah. weird uppercuts to he the can, body, isn't he? He can fly from weird angles, exactly. So, And he's big and he's, he's hard to get away from. A six-foot-nine guy It's harder to even move away from a man like that. So... He knows how to use his strength. He knows how to hold and sap energy as well. Sparred him. I know what he feels like. So, yeah, he, um, I think he'll be a dead-on favourite for that fight. Just back to Dubois for a moment. I mean, Usyk didn't circle the ring very much. Um, they did both try to command the centre of the ring. Um, just quickly, because I didn't ask you before, Dubois' stock rose in that fight, even though he got stopped, in my view. Massively, massively. Um and I hear a lot of people saying Dubois quit in the end of the fight. And I'm like, how do you please people in this boxing world? He's literally gone, he's a ninth round. He's been knocked down once or twice before that. He's got up on the count of nine and he probably wasn't ready for 10. I agree with the ref, but he, it's a mistake more than anything. If he is not quit in that fight, he's given it 110% and he's probably gassed after he's had a little flurry in five and six. And um, listen, he, his stock is 100% rose. He's shown he can hang at that world level. And he made Usyk look a little bit old in there for me. Yeah, absolutely right. George Groves was on TalkSport on Sunday and he, he calls Usyk the best heavyweight fighter in the world who would beat Tyson Fury, speaking on The Verdict, which is available now on TalkSport Boxing's YouTube channel. Let's have a little listen to George yeah. Groves. Yeah, I'd like to fight Tyson Fury. I think he beats Tyson Fury. I think Usyk's the best, best heavyweight in the world right now. You think now. he beats Tyson um, Fury, do you? You, you, yeah, you, just, yeah. you just confidently, flippantly drop that one out. You think he just beats Tyson Fury? Simple as that. Well, it won't it's be an easy fight for him. It won't be an easy fight for him, but I think he, he'll, he'll have the ability, um, the boxing IQ, um, the athleticism, um, and cope with Fury's mind games and everything, everything else that Fury has that's always been uh, a major attribute for him. I think Usyk he's either seen before or can cope with, you know, he's, he's always had to travel. He's always been the away fighter and he's always come up trumps. He's always won. That was on Sunday, obviously after the fight. I don't see where he says Usyk beats Fury after that performance in my view. No, I don't. For me, I can't see it either. I can't see um, how Usyk beats Fury. The idea that he can dance around Fury for 12 rounds. It's very, it's an energy sapping task. To, to dance around someone the size of Fury. And, uh, yeah, for me, Fury's the dead-on favourite going into that fight. I agree with you, as you have... Uh, I agree with you, as I said earlier. Um, how do you see the rest of the heavyweight division, Johnny? Um, as a heavyweight yourself, is it a case of Fury and Usyk, then a massive gap to the rest? Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, do you see that happening? 
I think Deontay Wilder's the second best heavyweight on the planet still with the power that he's got. Um, that'd be a great fight, Anthony Joshua versus Wilder. It'd obviously be great for British boxing if what, uh, Joshua can get that win because we all know the power of Anthony Joshua if he's on top of the world, the amount of people it pulls into the sport. I saw it firsthand when I was at university. People were getting galvanised behind the idea of Anthony Joshua, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's about time now. Hopefully next year we can see them fights, uh, them fights being made. If we see Joshua Wilder the end of this year, which they're talking about, uh, maybe that galvanises Uzi and Fury to take place, and then it's like a little mini tournament is taking place over an extended period of time, which we which we want to see. The assumption then, from what you just said, is that Wilder beats Usyk as well. Yeah, I think Wilder would beat Usyk. I really do. Just that unbelievable one punch power. He'd beat everyone apart. He'd be he'd be most on the planet. So you can't discount that. And yes, it's great. And I understand the boxing purist point of view of the art of boxing and uh, the finesse of someone like Alexander Usyk, but you cannot discount and never discount someone with the power of Deontay Wilder. I've, I have exactly the same feelings. I think Usyk could be nine rounds up in that yeah. fight after nine rounds. And, just and all he needs is a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something about Deontay. There is. Um, and I think it really, I've really improved under Malik Scott as well. You can see the sort of the drills that they've been doing. And um, his mindset is as bulletproof as it ever was. You can see the way he's training. He's uh, he's still in that mix. Final one. Apart from yourself, who's the best up-and-coming young heavyweight fighter then? Well, I watched Jared Anderson uh, the other the uh, the other night on the same night as the fight. He looked uh, impressive yet again. He's looked impressive. Get dealing with Charles Martin as well, who's, who's not to be sniffed at as an opponent. Uh, there's some great fighters coming through. Uh, Fabio Wardley, I think, in Britain's doing a great job. Uh, as holding the British title, uh, there's some, there's some great names out there. Uh, there's a great mix at British level at the minute with Solomon Dakers, Fraser Clark, Fabio Woodley, David Adelaide, and uh, yeah, Jared Anderson. I think's that prospect that everyone's getting a little bit excited about because he's moving up. He's had, what's he had 15 to 20 fights now, so he'll be moving into that mix at such a young age. And, Dubois, and keep your eye on the, and Dubois as well. Yeah, absolutely. He'll come again. And keep your eye on the Romford Bull, who I'm talking to right now. Of course, you're listening to Fight Night Extra. On Talksport 2. Still to come, we'll chat with Johnny about his plans for the remainder of the year and we'll discuss that positive test for Robert Hellanius, too. Next up, though, we'll look ahead to Smith versus Eubank Jr. 2 this weekend and hear from Smith. Yeah, hold that, please. Level 5. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channel Eyes Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr. will run it back after the pair met in January. It's Smith Eubank, Liam Smith's the A side, Eubank's the star, and it's a must win for Chris. Now, this time, it's Smith versus Eubank. I'm looking for a way to overcome, and I think that that was taken away from me. Who took it away from you, Chris? The referee. Roy was on the apron with a towel, you do know that, don't you? I will be telling Roy, don't ever bring a towel to any of my fights ever again. It was a fight that captivated the British public with a spiteful and controversial build-up. I've never been down, I've never been touched the canvas. You have now and I've done it to you. Will it be repeat or will it be revenge? Now it's up to me to prove that I am the better fighter. It was a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and the Romford Bull himself. Yep, the young heavyweight's on with us today. It's Johnny Fisher. Liam Smith versus Chris Eubank Jr. this weekend, live on TalkSport. The first fight, of course, back earlier in the year. Liam Smith, if you like, upset the apple cart in some people's views, but in many other people's views, did exactly what they thought he was going to do, though not in the manner that he did it. He creased Chris Eubank in the fourth round. He iced him. He ended up dropping him like a shirt being dropped into a suitcase with an attack on the ropes. Eubank Jr. really knocked out and hurt for the very first time in his career. Um, A big shock there. Reflections on that first fight. Can we see it going any differently this time, Johnny Fisher? Very exciting fight, great fight, and I understood uh, Liam Smith as being a formidable, formidable boxer himself. Um, I know Chris Eubank's got more of the glitz and glamour about him, but uh, a really, really uh, solid operator in Liam Smith. And in a way, I wasn't surprised that he could do that to him because of the fundamental boxing skills that he has. Um, I'm not sure what way it will go this time. It, it depends a lot on the mentality of Chris Eubank. The first time it sort of Seemed like he overlooks Liam Smith a little bit, talking about the 60% or whatever he was saying, 50-60%. Um, but yeah, uh, if he doesn't change, obviously I think the same up, the same outcome will come. But uh, it's, a great, it's a great little card, that card. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, he's very rugged, very tenacious, Liam Smith. Yeah. He's been around the block. Yeah. Longia, Canelo, Canelo, big yeah. fights. He didn't win those two fights, but he's been against very heavy hitters, yes. very powerful boxers. Um, the the shock, of course, was the manner in which Eubank went to, went out yeah. in yeah. that first fight. But you you have to give credit for what Liam Smith did in that fight. I think he will be quite similar in this fight. He'll stalk. He's very good at range. Um, it's all about he doesn't waste much either when he's winning. He doesn't waste much exactly, yeah. but he can take a punch. He's great in the pocket. As as I say, very rugged, tenacious, very exciting. Yeah. Fighter, it's how Eubank Jr. has made the adjustments for this fight. We'll come to that in a minute. Liam Smith is supremely confident it'll be business as usual this weekend. He spoke to Talk Sport earlier in the week. I'm, I'm, for, from a personal point of view, I, I know this is like my sounds quite big headed, but I'm quite mentally strong anyway. I always have been. I'm probably mentally tougher than my three brothers. If they'll probably all tell you the same thing, but I feel from 
again, my brothers and, and my brothers helped with my mentality to stay switched on. You know, I beat Chris now. People could think, oh, I'm just thinking it's an easy fight again. But I have to be prepared. I've, and, and the past 10 weeks in the gym will, will, will show you that mm. I've been mentally switched on to this rematch. And the results I'll give you on Saturday, I'll, I think mm. I'll prove so too. Very confident. And so he should be because all the adjustments, <clears throat> Johnny, need to come from Eubank Jr., who, of course, is with Brian McIntyre for this fight, not Roy Jones Jr., Terence yeah. Crawford's trainer. It's not. Um, it's a great trainer, obviously, Terence Crawford's trainer, but um, it's, it's not always something I like to see when people are chopping and changing trainers quite often. Obviously, there must have been some difficulties with Roy Jones for him to, to jump to. And Listen, it's not a bad person to jump to in Bomac, so he'll be in good hands. Um, I just think that last fight, Chris Eubank Jr. started to look a little bit old and uh, not the force he once was that we saw when he was fighting the, uh, bless him, uh, Nick Blackwell, people like that, and of, of that ilk when he was coming up. But listen, he'll give it 110% because he is a warrior. And he, even after that last, when he got caught and he wanted to get back up, he, he didn't want to give up, did he? So it's going to be an entertaining fight. I wouldn't take anything away from, from Liam Smith and his performance in, no. in that first fight. But I do wonder if the weight cut for... Oh, yeah. um, Chris Eubank Jr., that ghost weight cut that he did for the kind of cancelled fight with yeah. with Conor Ben did have an effect on him Massively. at the time as well. Massively, yeah. Them, them weight cuts, I'm blessed that I don't have to do them weight cuts, but if they did, I can understand the the amount it can take away and drain from you. and It's just repetitive. When you're doing it when you're 24, 25, 26, it's got to be a lot different to when you're doing it past 30, isn't it? It's got to take a lot out of you. Do you think that, <clears throat> in your view, um, and I think it probably still is there in Eddie Hearn's mind and Conor Ben's mind, maybe even for the Sourlands, uh, who obviously work with Wasserman now, who promote Chris Eubank Jr., that, that Conor Ben fight is still there if and when Conor Ben comes back? It, it probably is still there because of the amount... It's probably it's probably got more interest now than it ever had because of all the controversy around it, um, whether it takes place or not. Is up to uh, is up to the powers that be. Um, I just think uh, looking at the weight that Chris Eubank had to get down to for that, and how he looked at it. I remember he posted a, a video on the day of the fight it was meant to be, and he looked so he looks he looks emaciated, uh, completely emaciated. And if that fight did take place at that weight, I love Chris Eubank Jr. I think he's an entertaining personality and a fighter, but he hasn't got a chance in that fight because he looks like he's completely emaciated. If it takes place, it has to take place at a, a weight that's comfortable for Chris Eubank. Middleweight. It's got to be middleweight. Yeah, it's got to be. That's what yeah. I understand is the talk. They'll do it at middleweight. You know? Yeah, it's got there. If it happens at middleweight, I think that, that can happen. But it's whether Chris, uh, Conor Ben wants to go up to that. But if he wants it, the amount of money that can be made in that fight is, is huge. Money talks. We yeah. mustn't be wealth over health ever in boxing, though. We'll come to that in a minute with drugs testing uh, in the sport. Yeah. Um, Eubank Jr. surprisingly quiet in the build-up to this one. Obviously, they've done the Zoom, Smith and Eubank. Very entertaining. <clears throat> Liam Smith really coming out of himself, I thought. Yeah. Um, we're starting to see his personality, his sense of humour. Obviously, they're an incredible family uh, with, yeah. with Callum, Liam, Paul and uh, Stephen. Um, it's incredible that all four guys, three of them have fought number one pound for pounds in the world. All have been British champions, haven't they? All have been British champions. Well, when you think about it, that Paul fought Andre Ward, yeah. that that Stephen and 
Callum have fought, um, not Stephen, Liam and Callum have fought Canelo. Yeah. Um, only Stephen hasn't fought a number one pound for pound in the world. Or it's an incredible story. I bet they give him. One I bet they give him some stick for that. I know what I'm my, my brothers. I bet they give him some stick. For that. <laughs> um, who are you going for this weekend? By the way, not going for, but who do you think will win this weekend? I think Liam, Liam Smith, the style that he's got, the uh, the way he said he conserves energy and soaks up a little bit of punishment, or takes it on the gloves and with that high guard, and he comes forward. He doesn't waste much. I think the uh, efficiency of Liam Smith um, will be a bit too much for the the sort of older Chris Eubank. I'm a massive Chris Eubank fan. I loved watching him when I was growing up as a teenager. Really entertaining, really exciting. But I think Liam Smith's style suits a, a slightly older man a little bit more, and that will that will pay a price with Chris Eubank. But I'd love to see Chris Eubank do it because I've I've, I've admired him since since being a kid. They might have to do the trilogy then. Yeah, um, if that great. happens. Yeah. I, I, sw- I sway. I picked Chris Eubank Jr. in the first fight. Oh, I, thought right. yeah. I thought he'd outbox. I thought he'd outbox. Yeah, I thought he'd outbox Liam. And a lot of pros did go for Liam, though. Um, I just, I just edged towards Liam, towards Liam this yeah. time. Um, unless Eubank Jr. makes amazing adjustments. Great stuff, Johnny. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on Talksport Two. Next up, we're talking. Unfortunately, yet another positive drugs test in boxing. This time for Robert Hellenius. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and the one and only Johnny Fisher, known, of course, in his fighting sobriquet as the Romford Bull. Well, bullish he is. Bullish he will be. When are you up next, Johnny? Obviously, you've got that strapping on your hand. When are you out next? Yeah, the plan was to have a few weeks off after this fight anyway. Um, obviously, having three fights quite quickly back-to-back into 10-rounders now as well. It'd be great to get out December time. I think that would be that would be ideal. Um, whether that's abroad, I'd love to fight abroad in Vegas or New York if there's a show over there or even in the, in the Middle East. So that's what I would... That would be on my wish list for Eddie Hearn to, to fight abroad in this one, but... Um, let's see what he comes up with. Um, he's the boss, and uh, me and my team will adjust accordingly. So maybe not a defence of the Southern Area title then. Well, it could be. Um, it all depends on, on on what my managers. I've got to have. A, I haven't had a debrief with my management yet. To be honest with you, in terms of I've just cut, literally had a couple of weeks eating a bit too much rubbish. Eating Dublin. Sweets. Dublin. Dublin. Dublin, and then I went to Cornwall for a couple of nights. Um, that was lovely. And now I'm in Spain, so when I get back from here, we'll start getting the wheels turning a little bit, so uh, we can go from there and have a debrief. Do you still have a run every day and um, well, do workouts I, I in about, that process? I was about to say to you, it's nice to have a couple of weeks not even doing anything, but then it gets to a certain stage. I think as a professional athlete, where you, you're not, not disgusted with yourself, but you're like, I can't keep going on like this. I want to get back into routine, and I'm going to go to it. There's a there's a gym called Fit Club Mallorca here. I'm going to go and do a little uh, workout given to me by Sonny Cannon. Maybe do a few shuttle sprints on the beach as well. It's just for our minds. I think fighters all the same. I see Jimmy Tip training up the gym, uh, even at 76, 77 years of age. It just keeps us straight. It keeps us on, keeps us on a straight and narrow. If we've got a bit of training going going on, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back into it now. I love the fact you're around Jimmy. Obviously, you're oh, trained by right. Mark Tibbs. You're around Jimmy Tibbs. What an absolute legend he is. You know he sparred with Muhammad Ali. Ali. He was 
the pitch yeah. was up in our, the pitch was up in our gym when he when he done that sort of publicity thing and he talks about it, he's so modest about it, he's saying, Oh, it's only a bit of publicity and stuff, but it's great having Jimmy around. He's from that same ilk my my granddad was from. And um it's just comforting having him around. He's like a granddad, grandfathery figure, uh, in the changing room and it's just it feels amazing to have him have him around and I'm blessed every day when he's when he's around the gym. He loves coming up and watching the sparring and stuff. Is there one thing that you can think of right now that he says to you that, yeah. that stays in your head the whole time? Definitely. When I was uh, first started off with uh, Mark Tibbs, I loved training so hard and sort of overtraining myself a little bit. Coming from a rugby background, it's all about push, push, push and trying to exert yourself. And The one thing that always sticks in my mind is what you said is, Johnny, there's a mountain when you climb in a mountain to a fight and you'd rather be slightly under the peak of the mountain so you can get to the peak on the night if you go over the top of the peak before the fight, all you're going to do is roll all the way down the hill and you're going to gas out. So always undercook yourself rather than overcook yourself. Fascinating. Yeah. So it's all about peaking, isn't it? Peaking um, at the right time. So um, let's get on to the serious matters. We look forward to watching your career, as always, becoming a friend of the show and a part of our broadcast team on TalkSport as, as time goes on. Uh, we're, we're just developing your future. It is, um, I love being on here. Thank you very much, Gareth, for inviting me on. It's, it's been great having you on, uh, being being part of the little talks that we. It's, it's been great having me on your show again. Yeah, exactly. No, that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> what it's all about, Gareth. You're under my wing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. um, Robert Hellenius. Yeah. Uh, shocker on Friday night. He tests positive uh, during fight week in his uh, late replacement for a positive test that came out with Dillian White. What replacement was six days to go for that Anthony Joshua uh, contest at the O2 Arena two weeks ago. Um, we believe it's clomiphene. Yeah. Um, he returned the positive test. He's come out and stated that, and I sat with him, by the way, in fight week with the national written media, and he categorically said, as a Finnish person, a person from Finland, you would get lynched, literally lynched, for testing positive for a drug. Yeah. That, that's why he would never take any illegal drugs. He, we, I was sitting four feet away from him at the time. Yeah. I'm absolutely shocked and mystified that this has come up. What's happening here, Johnny? Do you think testing's different? Is there something in the metabolites in food at the moment? We've had Alicia Baumgardner recently, yeah. the Connor Ben incident that's obviously resonated a lot because it's bigger than Connor. It's just the whole of uh, the, the testing system in boxing that's been uh, brought to the fore. Um, what's your take on it? Yeah. Why would Hellenius, in this opportunity Do to that. fight Anthony Joshua, be, be, be taking an illegal drug? And how would it give him any advantage so late on? I don't, I don't know. I'm not privy to the science behind taking performance enhancing drugs and how how quickly it, it can affect you. But you'd think on a week's notice, it would it would it would it give you any benefit? But for me, I've always been under the understanding for something to come up in your system, it has to be a substantial amount for it to even show. And can it? Is it true that it can just turn up in your food? And can you can you get it from meat and things like that? That's the excuse that people have given whether that's Canelo or other people like that, and they've sort of got off with it. But how? My under, I don't have the understanding to say how how easily can it get into your system. It's, it's quite it's quite uh, it can 
give you a sense of paranoia for all boxers because everyone's sort of testing positive for different things now. But I'm sure, I'm sure you can't just get it so easily from a bit of food or something like that. It's it's, it's quite concerning really to see all these fighters testing positive. And I saw the same thing as you, Hellenius. His uh, his statement was quite genuine. It seemed in terms of the. I would never do this, and that would be similar if it ever happened. God forbid to someone. That'd be my reaction as well. Like I'd just be absolutely devastated, and I'd protest my innocence every day for the rest of the day because it wouldn't even cross my mind to ever do anything like that in a combat sport. When you, as you so rightly said, because obviously it's an inherently dangerous sport. Yeah. Someone can be legally killed in yeah. the ring. So yeah. we, we, we have to have the veracity of a testing system Definitely. Um, that has to be as tight as possible. 100%. Do, do, do you feel that the testing system needs to be changed? I've been trying to advocate blood passports from the moment people turn pro so that you do regular tests on a regular yeah. basis. I mean, how many times are you tested, for I've example? Not, I've not been tested once. And I thought after the Southern Area title, I'd have been. I thought like a title fight. I was expecting to be tested on the night or on the build up to the fight or anything, but there was nothing. And I think we should be we should be tested from the moment we turn pro. I, I agree with you because if you've got nothing to hide, then why why would you not get tested all the time? It's got to be something that's brought in by the board of control or something that's mandatory every six months or every three months and random random testing as well because obviously you can people can plan around. The, plan around the uh, the testing. So random tests should be for all boxers at all levels because anybody taking performance enhancing drugs in this sport needs to be banned for a very, very long time, if not life. Yeah, and the, and the thing is as well that um, it doesn't... The, the system at the moment where someone's tested in the week of a fight, tested on the night, um, I don't know what happens at the moment in terms of is a Perth purse paid and then withheld... You know, we we cannot allow the sport to um, endanger no. fighters. It's as simple as that. It's dangerous enough as it, it is. It still doesn't... I can't process it in my mind. If you're a professional boxer and you're taking drugs to get an advantage in a sport where you're fighting another person, it just doesn't cross my mind to think how you could get that... The, mo the moral compass of that person, when they, when they do it intentionally, I just... It, it baffles me. It really does. It's a very, very serious issue. Yeah. Um, we shall keep um, across that as matters go on. Uh, we're in uh, Manchester, obviously, on Saturday night for Chris Eubank Jr. trying to defeat uh, Liam Smith, obviously, for a second time. Big night for TalkSport and a big night for boxing in Manchester. Johnny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks very much for having me, Gareth. I really appreciate it, as always. It's brilliant. Absolute pleasure. Uh, you've been listening to Fight Night Extra here on TalkSport with me, Gareth Davis. We'll see you next time.